0: Hello, I'm Joe Mellis and welcome to episode 17 of Petodry PS, the predominantly Don's based podcast featuring not just the Don's first team but a look across the age groups and genders at the club and we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors and not just football but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey as always Dave McDermott, and Andrew Shiny. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Thursday, 2nd December, in a busy period for the Dons with the Celtic game the previous Sunday, and then last night, the home game against Livingston, followed this weekend by the visit of St. Mirren, before uh, turning sparse at again until Boxing Day, I think. My apologies, too, for interrupting your usual weekly download sequence where we aim to publish on a Tuesday, unfortunately because of storm damage. I was without electricity, broadband phones or anything really resembling civilised society up until Tuesday sometimes, so I was in no position to record. I wish I could actually have chosen when to black out my four days in the year because there are probably games ahead of the Celtic one last weekend and sooner not have seen, like Wraith in the Cup, for instance. Anyway, a 2-1 defeat at Celtic Park on Sunday, which we'll touch on shortly. But first, to the most immediate aftermath, Livingston at Petaudry yesterday evening, that one finishing 2-0 for the Dons. A lot to discuss and look back over and look forward to. Let's start with that match, precious in our minds. What was your take on Aberdeen versus Livingston, Andrew? A good, solid
1: performance from Aberdeen. First half, they played some scintillating football. Should probably have been more than the one goal up. Uh, an excellent goal from Ryan Hedges. He should have probably scored another couple. Uh, one great move that I thought he was going to burst the nets, but for a, uh, a save by the heel of Max Stryak. Uh Livingston, Bruce Anderson apart. Very, very disappointing. Bruce worked his socks off up front in that first half. Had from my memory, the, the only shot at goal that went wide a target. It was a quiet night for Joe Lewis. Second half, Aberdeen had the the howling wind behind him and I didn't think they handled that particularly well. Um, the The levels seemed to drop a wee bit, but they got the, the second goal that killed the game off uh, through David Bates. I think um, the... Rather unfortunate, it has to be said, sending off of Jackson Longridge. I don't think the second yellow was a yellow. First one definitely was. Um that that and you know, the the, the real lack of intent from Livingston sealed their fate. I I didn't think Livingston offered the game anything at all.
0: Yeah, that that was the thing that, that I said before we, we pressed record today, Dave, is you know, regardless of personnel, what you could always guarantee for a Livingston team coming north was you come off the pitch black and blue because they fought like hell. And yesterday,
2: that just wasn't there, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, but it was probably exactly the type of game that Stephen Glass could have wished for beforehand and thankfully had because it was exactly the type of game we needed given the, the run over on. So, you know, it's, as Andrew said, Livy offered nothing. They were very, very poor and they must be, you know, one of the candidates for being at the wrong end of the table come the end of the season. But uh, no, it was three points that were most, most welcome. And uh, hopefully that's the start of another wee positive run. Yeah, well,
0: let's let's hope so. Now, a couple of penalty claims as well. Uh, one in each half, I think. There was one for a handball, and one for, uh, was that attack? No, they were both for a handball. Talk me through those, Andrew.
1: The first one, Ryan Hedges attempted cross into the box towards Christian Ramirez. Um, I think it was Stefano Mionga. Um, His arm was definitely in an unnatural position. Uh, it diverted the course of the ball away from Christian Ramirez. That one was a penalty. The second one uh, I thought would have been extremely soft. It was a ricochet in the box that hit, I think it was the guy Tom Parks, on the arm. Uh, I don't think it was a penalty, but I thought Craig Napier... Um, Although he was reasonably well positioned for the first one, was very quick to make the decision that it shouldn't be a penalty. Uh, maybe should have thought about it, taken account of the position of Allmyung's arm, and would have given the penalty kick. I'm quite sure if he'd really thought about it. But we're one two nil. We're not not going to quibble about these things. Let's celebrate the fact that we actually got a penalty in Glasgow of all places, <laughs> on Sunday. I mean, it's 2014 the last time we got a penalty in Glasgow, and that was at Firhill, Hill, and Barry Robson missed it. Um, I think you have to go back to someone like 2007 to find the last spot kick at Celtic Park, which Jamie Smith converted. So oh, um, uh, that's, that's my little bit of startle work today. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, last night, Dave, as well, I thought after the sending off, we didn't, I mean, to me at one point, having watched the first half and seen all the chances that we created... And didn't put away. At one point, I thought this is going to be like a, a tiny microcosm of our entire season, and um, we're, we're going to, you know, make a, a fluff of it at some point, And they're going to nick, nick in and get one back, and it'll end up being a one-one draw. And we'll all go home furious after creating so many chances. It didn't pan out that way. But when they had the player sent off, and in that second half, with a win behind us, as Andrew said, you'd have thought that we'd have pushed on and and just tried to to, to really go for it. But it didn't pan out that way.
2: No, it didn't. But uh, I think small steps. I mean. As Andrew said, we won 2 0. You know, let's take it. But yeah, like you, I thought the second half, it was a a real non event. And uh, when they went down to 10 with the dismissal of Longridge, we should have perhaps pressed a bit more and tried to make more of the man advantage with the wind at our backs, but uh, the weather conditions were pretty horrendous. Uh, it's got to be admitted, as they have been for the last week Absolutely. or so. Absolutely, yeah. And are continuing to be as I look at it, <laughs> you- <laughs> yeah, it's outside.
0: Yeah, snowy outside hours as well. I'm just waiting for the uh, the email saying, your kids are coming home. Oh good. <laughs> um, let's look back further to the weekend, Then that loss to Celtic. I've only seen highlights, uh, because I only came back online on Tuesday. All the talk about Celtic's freak second, but in the second half, from what I've seen, although we we tried to challenge, but for a few inspired saves from Joe, it could have been a lot worse. The defence got cold in a few occasions again, Andrew.
1: I'm not sure that the defence was caught cold. I thought they actually defended manfully. Um, David Bates, in particular, thought he was outstanding. It was his best game in a red shirt. But my overall take in the game was that I've seen better Aberdeen sides play worse at Celtic Park. Um, we did play well in that periods just before the penalty and through to half-time, but we didn't force Joe Hart into making any serious saves. And I thought, over the piece, Celtic had us where they wanted us. Yota was very, very good. Uh, Furuhashi ran around fell down a lot had a kick at David Bates in the first half that went unpunished by the referee even though he gave a free kick against him Um, you know how you make contact with a player's calf when the ball's in the air uh, above head height you know you're not making a challenge with the ball you're just kicking your opponent Um, but uh, no I, I wasn't altogether surprised to see Aberdeen lose that game because Celtic are in a decent vein of form at the moment
0: I wouldn't dwell on the, the Celtic game for any length of time for as much reasons we've got St Mirren still to preview and a whole lot more to cover. But um, positives from that Celtic game and the Livingston one that you can take into the St Mirren match, Dave. I suppose uh, Andrew's mentioned there and um, David Bates' form on Sunday and again last night contributed with a goal. Looks a little bit more confident. That's probably something that you can say, well, yeah, that's you know that's a good thing as we move forward. What else did you
2: see? I messaged Andrew early in the game because after the second time that Jack Kerr, it totally. Pulled inside out by Yota down the, the Celtic left. And uh, I thought, you know, to be fair to, to, to Jack, he actually came on to a reasonable game. But, and also, to be fair to me, he was getting abs- no support from his teammates. He had been left. And it was obvious that Yota was the, the danger. And Celtic going down that, that left-hand side were the danger as well. Yeah, the goal, you know, there, there was obviously a huge element of good fortune when Johnny... Clearance came off McGregor, but uh, you know, I think the game panned out as we we said last week. We thought it probably would; it wouldn't be a, a high scoring game, but we probably come out on top. Um, and it was no no surprise, but it wasn't a bad performance. And the the um, the good things were the likes of David Bates' performance, and again he carried that on last night. Um, but I, again, I just do worry that we're still not creating enough chances we're still not looking like we've got a, a real cutting edge up top and that—that that is you know more so looking at last night's game than the Celtic game where we're always going to be on the back foot for the vast majority but uh, you know so but it's small as I said earlier small steps let's hope that uh, Saturday well let's hope the game's on the way the, way the forecast is first and <laughs> foremost um, and I don't mean the pitch because the pitch will be fine but it's more road conditions mm. Um but, uh, no, hopefully it's the start of a, a very positive December. Yep. So St Mirren at home, and fingers
0: crossed, this Saturday. Uh, and these really are the games that we need to be winning, guys. Stephen said the other day, uh, a decent bunch of home matches coming up, which will effectively decide where our fate lies come the sort of business end of the season. Uh, a dogfight to the death or, or chasing the pack for a Euro spot, which seems a little pie in the sky at the minute, I have to say. But, you know, hope springs eternal. Uh, anyway, onto that St Mirren game this weekend. And a score predictor for that, we'll go with you, Andrew. First of all,
1: I think if they can continue the form that they showed in the first half and take it into a ninety-minute performance, uh, the first half against Livingston, obviously, um, take it into ninety minutes. St. Myrna are there to be got at. I mean, they are not enjoying a great spell themselves. I saw the highlights of their game against Ross County last night and it was two sides that went at it hammering tongs at each other but with very little skill involved. Um, A lot of, um, you know, uh, mistake ridden, attacking, um, neither side able to stick the ball in the back of the net. Um, So I I think Aberdeen will fancy their chances against St Mirren and we'd be delighted to come out with another 2-0
2: victory. Dave? Yeah, 2 0 no was what I was going to go for. I mean, we saw down at uh, in Paisley when we had it was 11 against 10. We were absolutely dominant against St. Mirren. It was the sending off that, that turned that game round and how uh, we didn't manage to, to cope playing with 10 men against uh, against 11. But uh, as Andrew said, Saints aren't enjoying a great run of form either just now. So uh, I'll go for 2 0. No. And of course, last time we played St Mirren, it was Willie Collum who was
0: referee. Who's referee on oh, Saturday?
2: The same,
1: same man. man. Oh, dear
0: Lord. Well, I'm sure <laughs> he'll get. A, I'm sure he'll get a cheer as he comes <laughs> oh, right sure. out of the sheet. Um, just a just a quick one, guys. But because I, I I don't know if you have these conversations during the game, but but I do. You know, whoever I'm standing or sitting beside at the time. Uh, if you look at the league table as things stand, and you were to say, right, where do you think we'll finish up now? Last night, I, I turned around and said, you know what? I, I've got this funny feeling. It's going it, to, it won't make much difference, but we'll either be top of a bottom six and far enough away that, you know, those those few games towards the end, it won't make any real difference what happens one way or the other. We're not going to get relegated or we'll be inside the top six, but again, we'll be so far off the, the sort of block of four, if you like, that it won't make any difference and we won't be able to catch them up. So uh, it's just a free hit. Uh, and, and again, the games won't make that that much odds as, as to what happens. Uh, do you see it panning out that way this season, just now? Or
2: are you more hopeful or
0: less optimistic? Dave?
2: I, I think it's almost impossible to second guess any score in this league. I mean, the teams are all blowing hot and cold. Take take the old firm out of the equation. Everybody is winning games and losing. I mean, you only look at Motherwell, how up and down they've been over the last few games. and. You know, that's a microcosm of the the whole league, I believe. So I think it's, you know, our predictions have invariably been wrong anyway, but uh, (laughs) I do think it's uh, very, very difficult to to predict. So, you know, either scenario could be the case, John. It it could be that we are fighting for Europe towards the end of the season. You know, there is also the outside chance we're down at the wrong end of the the table, but I'm pretty sure that wouldn't. Won't be happening hopefully, and uh, so it's it's such an unpredictable league this year, it really is. I tell you what, that's that's the first maybe's eye, maybe's not, maybe's
0: not I know, I know. Of, of, of the uh, the episode, and also the second time the word microcosm is featured. So I wouldn't have put money in that at the start of the show. <laughs> Andrew, what do you think? I
1: have to agree with Dave. I mean, they uh, you know, everybody has had their ups and downs, uh, Pibs. Who would have thought, you know, a couple of months ago that after beating uh, and taking into account that they're into the the League Cup final having beaten Rangers, how were they going to manage to string together five league defeats in the spin? Um, You know, Motherwell up and down all over the place, Hearts pretty similar. Dundee United are the the side that seem to be managing to grind out victories, but you do get the feeling that the chickens are going to come home to roost there. They're not as good as their league position would suggest. I just hope that Aberdeen can lift themselves. I think there's going to be major changes over January. Um, I I wouldn't like to second guess what the squad looks like come the end of that month. Um, Possibly Aberdeen's best chance of um, getting into Europe will be via the Scottish Cup. And that was a decent first-round draw that Willie Miller pulled for us at uh, Glebe Park on Monday night. Hmm. I loved the look of relief in his face (laughs) when he pulled out the ball that was Edinburgh City and it wasn't Rangers or Celtic. Um, But, uh, you know, as Dave said, you cannot predict what the scores are going to be. Everybody is capable of beating everybody else. I mean, Livingston, they looked abject last night. They beat Celtic. Um, And, you know... And the Drew at Celtic Park, they haven't conceded a goal in 180 minutes and something like 250 shots in their goal um, against Celtic this season. Uh, So uh, it's it's still early days to be trying to to predict where sides are going to finish come April, May time particularly with this January transfer window, because as I say, at Pataudry, I think there's going to be a lot of comings and goings.
0: Well, someone, someone turned to me last night and said, it would not surprise me if um, you know, th- we, we got rid of more players than we took in in January. I said, well, that's all very dependent on someone wanting to take them off your hands. Um, but w- where, do you, where do you see the, the ins and outs coming in, Andrew?
1: I'm not really sure if any of the loan players will be kept after January. Certainly, Matthew Longstaff, I think, will be away. Uh, I don't think Austin Samuels has done enough, nor has Teddy Jenks. Jack Gurr, I mean, with the best will in the world, you cannot see Jack Gurr progressing beyond where he is. He's 26 years old now, and he's just too mistake-ridden. He looks good going forward. He's a, he's a willing workhorse, but he's just not at the right level for Aberdeen. Um, And obviously you hope that Calvin Ramsey is going to be back, but Calvin Ramsey is one who may be poached by somebody down south. Your hope there is that given the fact that he's only 18, they might say, right, we'll buy you, but loan you back to Aberdeen for half a season, for a season and a half, whatever, to give you game time. Because I don't think Calvin is ready to step into a big name English first division or or top flight first team at the moment. Lewis Ferguson, there's always... Uh, a debate as to whether he's going to be staying or going. Ryan Hedges is another one. Um, So, I I think there will be changes, but um, I I mentioned it to Stephen Glass in a pre-match press conference, and he said, I'm ready. He said, we've done all our homework. If there are people going out, and he says, we can't force people to stay. If people do go, we've got a list there that we can tap into to try and bring people up to Aberdeen. So, it's so difficult to second
0: guess. Mm. Okay. All right. Let's move on for now. Now, for the uh, the under-18s, uh, a week where they had to try and address three defeats in the bounce with an away trip to Paisley to face St. Mirren in the U Cup. Uh, Liam Harvey hat-trick aiding them on their way to clinching a 4-3 victory uh, in an end-to-end match, which I, I believe ended in almost farcical uh, weather conditions, Andrew.
1: Yeah, uh, it was it was bitterly cold down at uh, the Ralston Complex, which is um, St Murrins training ground. Uh, so no shelter there whatsoever. But the wind hadn't started until about 10 minutes into the second half, and then it blew an absolute hoolie behind St Mirren, who by that time had gone 4-1 down and were a man down, uh, and you thought that, that Aberdeen were safe, but uh, a wee bit of nervousness amongst the, the defence, amongst the whole team, in all honesty, and all of a sudden, with a few minutes left, it was 4-3 to St Mirren, and Aberdeen had had a man sent off, totally unjustifiably, by the way. Um, but a they ended up getting the job done and that was the most important thing. In any cup tie. you know, performance doesn't really matter. It's all about getting the result and getting yourself through to the next round. But I'll tell you, that bus journey back up the road, my goodness, (laughs) I I would not want to repeat that, particularly the stretch between Dundee and about Stonehaven. We were getting blown around all over the place. There were trees down. um, I... The the boys sitting up the back of the bus were sort of having a wee bit of a laugh and a joke about it, saying, "Oh, we're on the waltz or sort of thing." And then mm. they saw an the Arctic which had been bowled over onto its side, Ooh. and all of a sudden, all you could hear was click, 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 click as the seatbelts went on. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh,
1: and everybody realised that uh, this was. Pretty horrendous. But we got through, uh, we got home. And unfortunately, I've just had an email to say that uh, tomorrow is an under-18 game (laughs) against um, Dundee United at (laughs) the St Andrews University has been called off. No yeah. huge surprise there. So I don't have to dig out 15 layers of thermals and jackets and goodness <laughs> knows all of what to stand in the touchline and watch that one. So um, uh, no game for uh, the Young Dons this week, but through to the quarterfinals of the, of the Youth Cup.
0: And thank goodness you got back up the road uh, on, on Friday past uh, safely because it sounds there the way you described it like the opening scenes of the Wizard of Oz where you were the house that was flying through space that landed on my mother-in-law. That, that's where
1: we're fully expecting <laughs> it, it was fortunate it's a two-lane carriageway, um, our dual carriageway we would come up, because we are going right to left, right to left, all the way up the road. It was horrendous.
0: Right. Uh, for the AFC women's team, a promising start to their season, falling away with seven losses in a row. But they, too, brought that to a halt last weekend against Partick Thistle, only when their game was postponed by the weather, though. Uh, their next match against Hamilton a week on Sunday, and I suppose it gives them a bit of time to try... You know, some more things out in training. Get the mental side right, and hope a few more players become available to them again.
2: Yeah, it was uh, a frozen pitch at, uh, at Memorial that uh, caused the the game to be cancelled. But with the weather over the weekend, I'm sure there wasn't too many disappointed members of the AFC Women's team uh, at that. And yeah, it does give them a wee bit of time to prepare properly and uh, hopefully put that bad run to one side and uh, kick on for the second half of the season. Now, on to Cove
0: Rangers, who've been solely in, uh, in cup action since we spoke last. A 2 2 Scottish Cup draw against Queen of the South, followed by a quarter final in the SPFL Trust Trophy on Tuesday evening, where they ran out 5 1 victors over Rangers B. Two goals from Fraser Fivey, uh, also Mitch Mekinson, Jamie Masson, and Leighton McIntosh. The reward for that one, a home semi final against, I think it's Queen of the South, isn't it? They defeated Morton
2: last night. Yeah, 2 1. It's yeah. it is Queen of the South, though. We're getting sick of the South. Queen of the oh, South yeah. after you're down to Palmer. On Tuesday, and uh, make no mistake, Queen of the South were very lucky to still be in the Scottish Cup because their opening goal definitely didn't cross the line. We didn't think so on commentary at the time, and we had a better angle than the linesman that actually gave the goal, who was not uh, up with play. Uh, what happened? The ball came across Stuart McKenzie, it came off the post, and Stuart McKenzie, sort of with one hand hoisted the ball away, did not cross the line. Stewart vehemently, you know, denied it, it went anywhere near crossing the line. And that's how it looked to us and everybody else. And then Queen of the South's second goal, it was a corner that was cleared for Queen of the South. Then the referee decided the ball wasn't in the the um, the proper place for the corner. So he ordered it to be retaken and they scored. So um you know but great goals for for uh, Cove, particularly Vigers' free kick, his first you know what he's like with the dead ball and that that's his first for the club that's the only surprise, it's taken him so long but on t- Tuesday night C- Cove were absolutely magnificent As I was saying before the game to Scott Davy that I felt experience was going to be absolutely crucial at, at this stage of the competition and within five minutes Cove were 2-0 up and uh, you Know by 11 minutes it was 3 1 Cove, and you thought it's a basketball match for which <laughs> <laughs> um, it was great. Some great play from both sides, to be fair. Some very good footballers in the Rangers B side, but they were just blown away by the physicality of of the, the bigger side and the experience of, of Cove. And they've got uh, Dumbarton at Balmoral um, on Saturday, another huge game. Airdrie aren't playing in the league, so it's a chance to consolidate that uh, to two point gap uh, and make it even more than two points on Saturday and uh, three home games within a week and Cove have hit real form at the right time and I do believe they're certainly not out of it in terms of that uh, cup replay down at Queen's South and of course the reward for the winners is a trip to Easter Road in the next round which will be a a great payday that uh, I'm sure the the Keith, uh, Keith and the board of directors at Cove will be praying that they'll be part of that so it's all fitting into place right now for Cove. For the uh, the Highland League teams, a lot of postponements one way or the other
0: last weekend for cup commitments or weather related. Uh, of those matches which did go ahead, Bucky put five past Lossiemouth. Broader won 4 0 at home to Devon Vale. Uh, Keith made the short trip to Nairn and won 3 1. Wick Academy were the victors at home to Forrest, scoring twice without reply. And Clach and Inverurie Locos saw out a rare goalless Highland League draw. Uh, Now, I won't even bother looking ahead to to this weekend because I imagine it's going to be one of those that's pretty much decimated. And the juniors could be the same way, Dave.
2: Yeah, the only two junior teams played last weekend because the the league quite rightly took the decision on Friday to cancel all the locally-based junior games. D, of course, were in Scottish Cup action. Fantastic result to knock out East Fife for their reward, a home tie with Wraith Rovers. But uh, Dice went down to Ayrshire, defeated Muirkirk. 1-0 one nil in the Scottish Junior Cup to become the first North East side for decades to reach the quarterfinals of the Scottish Junior Cup. And uh, speaking to Alfie Youngston, the dice manager on Sunday, he was saying, you know, he actually texted Jamie Watt, his counterpart at Banksy D, on the way back up the road to say, typical, we pull off the best, one of the best results of our history. And you have to go and outdo this by knocking out a League One side in the Scottish Cup. So, but it was great for... Uh, as, as Alfie said, sometimes the, the West sides just think they have to turn up against the North East side. And it was two fantastic performances in the only two games that, that involved junior clubs at the weekend to, to, to make it a, a weekend to remember. And they're now, Dice are now at home in March against Joker Athletic in the quarterfinals. And uh, I'm sure they got a big crowd for that one. Absolutely. Uh, just before we go, we do try and cover sports other than football
0: here on Patodri PS. The other week it was indoor bowling. This week, a huge sports star from the Northeast announced her retirement from competitive sport. Hannah Miley, Smiley Miley, retiring aged 32, having amassed six gold, 14 silver, and 16 bronze medals. Uh, across world and European championships, Commonwealth Games, World Cup, European Junior and Commonwealth Youth events. I'll always be smiley, Miley. Can't wait to see what the world has in store for me next, she added. I would imagine she knows. Uh, I look back with pride and I, I smile as I feel like I've achieved everything I could possibly do over the last 17 years of international racing. Not just a fabulous swimmer, but a tremendous ambassador for her sport, her country, and the northeast of Scotland, Dave.
2: Yeah, interviewed Hannah on uh, quite a few occasions and Shaw was such a positive person and such a, a great athlete. And, uh, you know, the family unit, uh, Patrick, her dad, and uh, Hannah worked so well together in terms of, uh, you know, making or maximising her success and uh, getting all she could out of the uh, of her career. So she's, got, uh, she's only 32, so it's just a young thing. So she's got plenty, plenty of years to decide on whatever her career is going to. Path's going to do now, but it is. I'm quite sure she'll make a great success of it. Yeah, in swimming terms, 32 actually. It's a it's a fair sort of
0: lengthy career for a swimmer these days. You know, they, they tend to be retiring a lot younger than that. She she said that one of her greatest achievements, Andrew, was uh, retaining the Commonwealth Games at age 25. She where she retained her medals. She did well there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that, that's a stellar career, but it's it's the longevity of the career that is quite amazing. Um, you know, 17 years. Uh, Think of the sacrifices that Hannah has had to make uh, to to achieve what she has, but a fantastic ambassador for the north-east of Scotland and and for the whole country, um, and we wish her every success in her retirement, whichever path she chooses to take. She's done us all proud.
0: And that is pretty much it for episode 17 of Petaldry P.S. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can, but, you know, who knows? Uh, always looking back to the Dawn's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or whenever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Petaldry P.S. We'll see you next time.